If you're looking for ways to prioritize your health and fitness, run more efficiently, understand food, and somehow fit it all into a fun and family-centered life, you're in the right place. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us today on episode number 35 of the Real Life Runners podcast. Today we're going to be talking a little bit more about food and how a lot of people tend to look at food as just fuel for the body. And while that can be a beneficial way to look at it, there's also other ways that you can look at food and think about the way that we eat. And there's so much more that goes into what food actually is to us and the role that it plays in our lives other than just fuel. Right. But I think a, a good place to start might be that that food is fuel. And we'll start there. How does it actually benefit the body? And then from there, kind of expand and get a lot more into all of the rest of the things that food does for us. Okay. So... Food is definitely fuel for our body. So basically every time we eat something, that food gets broken down into either glucose or into fatty acids. Then those substances get shuttled off into our cells and they go through a chemical reaction in our cells and they produce what's called ATP, which is the form of energy in our body. Right. That's uh, an excellent, very concise summary of food fuels us. Right. Nobody wants us no to one, get into the Krebs cycle no right now. No one needs details on that right Nobody now. Nobody needs glycolysis <laughs> right now. I mean... Hold on. Let me draw a picture. Right. I, I, I always remember that big diagram in my physiology book of the circle with all the arrows and the ATPs coming in and the glucose is coming... Or no, the ATPs coming in... Glucose is coming in, ATP is going out, and there's a lot of complicated chemical there's reactions a lot of going on. Enzymes and things going on. Right, it, right. It's very detailed. But right. basically, you, you eat food, it goes into glucose or fatty acids, and those get turned into the actual energy of your body. Right. And that energy is ATP. And that energy is what's used to then fuel our cells. And those cells include muscle cells or skin cells or all the various cells in our body that need energy to do the daily functions that our body needs to do. Right. But just from that perspective, it would seem like you could eat pretty much whatever you want. Your body will break it down and suck energy out of it. Right. But we actually need to eat a whole wide variety of things. Well, and there are nutrition camps that kind of subscribe to that philosophy that of you can eat anything you want. Right. Calories is just a calorie as long as you have your mac macros correct and whatnot. Sort of. I mean, they still have macros in there and, and there's some details to it, but Food is a lot more than that. And, and you do need to take in a variety of food. Like just because it's healthy, you can't take in only spinach all day long. I don't think that's going to be the best survival plan. Yeah, that would not be good for your blood clotting. Probably not. So along with the energy that our food brings in, it also brings in a host of other things. So one thing would be micronutrients. And micronutrients are the vitamins and minerals that are in our food. And those vitamins and minerals then go into the body and they basically tell our body what to do. They give our body messages as far as which hormones to be released or which genes should be expressed. There's this whole new category of research and scientific study called epigenetics. And basically, 
epigenetics looks at our bodies and the genes that we have. And epigenetics is the way that those genes are expressed in our daily lives. So you might have a gene that predisposes you to breast cancer. So the epigenetic study would be what actually makes that gene turn on or turn off. So there's a lot of research going into epigenetics right now because there's so many environmental factors that go into how our genes are expressed and how, like what actually happens in our bodies. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've got way more detail on this than I am. This is the new research and stuff that you're reading into. But it is a fascinating idea that we have all these genes in our bodies that that go completely unexpressed. And right. you might go your entire life with certain genes never doing anything for you if it just stays shut off the entire time. Exactly. And that's what a lot of scientists are trying to look at right now. What can help the genes either to be turned on or to be turned off, depending on if it's a beneficial gene or a... Detrimental gene. Correct. No, no one wants to turn on the cancer-causing genes. Definitely not, right. So food is much more than fuel. Just when you look at it at that level, just at the even at the cellular level, food is a lot more than creating substances in our body. Right. If that was the case, we would all just, you know, take whatever the best things you've got, blend them up, mix it with some water and swallow it down. And it just, that's, it's not going to work. It's not the healthiest way of eating. Right. So the way that I like to think about food a lot of times is food tells a story. Food, the food that we eat, the food that we cook, the food that we share, it all tells a story. And as an Italian, food means a lot to me. You know, that's part of the issue that I've had you want to you, you want to jump in here with something? Kind of just just as soon as you start talking about food as a story, the hands just start waving all over the place. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I talk with my hands. So, as an Italian, you know, as there's a lot of cultures that are like this. We express our love through food. You know, preparing a meal for someone else. I I gather a lot of satisfaction out of preparing healthy meals for my family or help preparing delicious meals for other people when I'm hosting an event. We just had a, an event at our house this weekend. Our daughter received her her first Holy Communion. And I had family and friends over at our house after the ceremony. And I cooked all the food because I wanted to, because that is a way for me to show my love to everyone that came to support my daughter. And it was a way for me to show my love for my daughter that I would go through all of this time and effort to prepare the food that she wanted to eat. Right. I mean, we had talked about possibly getting things catered and, and that might've made things a lot more convenient, but that's just not how, how you like to, that's not how I work. That's not how you're going to food prep for a, for a party. You want to yeah. be in control of what you're eating and show people, this is what I've put together for, for everyone here. Right. And I think that that's a really important point to, to make because I think that's what food is for a lot of people. I don't think it's just fuel. And it's it's been very hard for me to think of food purely as fuel because it is so much more. And food tells a story of our life. And the way that we deal with the food that we eat or think about the food that we eat, it it really says a lot about who we are. It just does. I mean, there's, there's labels that people like cling hard to of, of they made their food choice. And so then they cling to the label of I'm vegan for this reason or whatever. And these labels show what their relationship is to food. 
and there's different reasons to take on different love different labels and it's not even just like the big categories but like i'm a i'm a healthy eater or uh, i eat because i need to get in these certain like i need to eat now like i mean or i'm I, a foodie a foodie, foodie yes a lot of people like to label themselves as foodies which means that they enjoy kind of being adventurous with their food mm-hmm. right you got other people that go to like the other end of it they eat for convenience mm-hmm. you know they've got so much other stuff going in their life they're like right. i can't worry about food i just take in what i can when i can exactly it's the total other extreme right it's totally true so Food helps us to to put these labels on ourselves, which I think can be good and bad. Um, most of the time, I avoid labels because I do think they can be a lot of limiting, like a limiting factor in our life. Because I'm I'm all about kind of being open and trying different things. But that's kind of one of the things that happens when people eat food, they, they kind of start to label themselves as certain things. The labels are only bad if you see the label as restrictive, if you have to live inside of that label. Yeah. If you're able to, to venture out on occasion without going crazy and be like, and without feeling guilty about it. Exactly. Without feeling guilty. Like it's okay if I have this also. Yeah. And I still struggle. I still struggle with that for sure. And I think that the food can also tell a story about where we've been in our life. It can tell how we used to be with food when like when I was younger I had a terrible relationship with food I was felt like I was constantly on a diet because I felt like I was overweight so I was trying to eat low fat or fat free and I was always worried about what I was eating and that's not a fun place to be either so throughout our lives our relationship with food can definitely evolve and it can also evolve with our own personal growth and help us to tell our own story just based on the relationship that we have with the food in our life. It's funny because as you started moving through like puberty, you started having that relationship with food, which is, you know, around the same time that I started taking off with running so much more. So my relationship with food became a lot more of food is fuel, get as much into you as possible because you know, I'm a 14, 15 year old boy who is burning calories ridiculously and running 40 miles a week. Right. Because you just have a crazy metabolism anyway. I was taking in whatever I could as much as I could. Yeah. And so you weren't really thinking about the quality of your food at all at that point in time. No, I surely needed more quantity. Right. And, and there are some people that definitely have that need. People that are training at really high levels, they, need to think about the quality of their food, but they also have to think about the quantity of it. Yeah. Making sure that you actually get enough into you. Right. So what is good nutrition? I think that that is a very valid question to ask. And it's something that's different for everybody, I believe. I think that there are certain characteristics that can define what good nutrition is, but ultimately good nutrition, I believe, is very individualized. Right. I mean, Different people have different fueling needs, but different people have have this background of what their relationship with food is and what is best for one person is not at all necessarily the best for the other based off of how food works with them, their schedule, their goals, what healthy is to them. There's so many factors at play here. Absolutely. So number one in what makes good nutrition, number one is that it fuels our body. So 
like Kevin said, there are some people that are high level athletes that need tons and tons of calories and they need tons and tons of good nutrition, good nutrients that are fueling them and helping their bodies to reach peak performance levels. And then there are people that are more sedentary, that have desks jobs and that they can't go out and train at those crazy high levels. They're moms and dads that have super busy schedules, but they still need good fuel too. And those two needs are very, very different. But both of them need to be able to fuel that person. And both of them did have that one common thing. Both of them need good fuel going into the body. Absolutely. That, that's the key of how much it is kind of depends on, on your, your nutritional needs of how, how active you are throughout the day. But both sides need very good fuel going into the body. Right. And that kind of is a good segue into number two, which is the good nutrition that you're eating needs to include the nutrients that your body needs because the nutrients that you need are probably different than the nutrients that somebody else needs. If, if I've got this one right, that goes back to what you were saying earlier of the nutrients coming in set off different hormone responses, right. different hormone responses in your body versus my body. Right. And they've done studies, especially about these a lot of these low-carb diets, that women typically need more carbohydrates than men do. Interesting. Because of their hormone expression in general. Obviously, there's always exceptions to these rules. Of but course. And they, there's also um, research that shows that different body types also need different nutrient ratios. Yeah, I know. And then you Based start on getting, whether or not you have more muscle or yeah. more fat or if you're slender like you, you, then, you then ectomorphs. I know, but then you start coming up with more labels. And it's like everybody wants to be able to come up with neat categories that, oh, you fit into this category, so these are your nutritional needs. And it's sort of like, well... You sort of fit into that category, and this is a good starting point, seems like a, the best way of looking at it. Right. So number three for good nutrition, which I think is really the, the most important, is that good nutrition helps us to look, feel, and perform our best. And that best is different for everybody. Like, what is best for Kevin is not what's best for me, and that's not what's best for my daughter or my other daughter. Yes. Everybody's different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got we have four different people, and everybody needs to sit down and eat dinner, and you're not going to make four different meals, but there's a whole bunch of nutritional needs to make each person operate their best. Right, and mm -hmm. in our house, we definitely eat protein and a lot of vegetables, and, and the girls are required to eat vegetables, even if they tell me they don't like them that given day. Because Lord knows they're... Because it's a Tuesday. It's always changing, you know? All of it. I'm like, you liked sweet potatoes last week. Why don't you like them this week? And uh, it's because they're roasted instead of baked. I mean... Yes, no, that's know. a huge difference, obviously. Clearly. So what's right for one person might not be right for somebody else. And it's important for us to figure out individually what is best for us in order for us to make the best decisions as far as our food quality goes. Which makes nutrition a lot of trial and error and careful attention paid to how your body feels after you put different, you know, food into it. Right, absolutely. I was actually just talking to a friend of mine today and he was telling me that his wife thinks that she might have a gluten intolerance. And he, he said to me, Hey, have you ever heard of gluten allergies showing up as ulcers? And I said, I haven't really come across that personally. I'm sure that that can be a possibility. Yeah. Um, but he was telling me that his wife started to notice that every time she ate a bagel, her about half an hour later, her throat started to feel 
like it was being a little restricted. That's awful. Yeah. So, but I mean, she's been eating bagels her whole life. And so I don't know if it's something that's changed recently or she's just noticing it more because she's trying to notice things more. Right. Trying to be more mindful. And suddenly you're like, oh, wait, that does feel weird on my throat. Did that feel weird last week? I mean, the body does change all the time of how it interacts with, with what you put into it too. Right. So back to the good nutrition. Number four is that good nutrition is sustainable for us. Now, sustainability is something that we're going to talk about as far as the planet goes as well. That's number five. But as far as sustainability for us in our daily So this falls into the category of one of your pet peeves, which is the highly restrictive diets. Yeah, I- definitely. I, I, I can't stand highly restrictive diets. They, I just rebel against them. <laughs> but really, food that is sustainable for us, number one, it's food that makes us feel good. Right. And that's, this is part of the issue of when you put yourself onto a restrictive diet, it's, it's not going to work for a, a long term. If it doesn't feel good, if you feel like you're depriving yourself of something, that's not a good long term plan. Right. But it, it's also not just what feels good in the moment because eating that piece of chocolate cake right now is delicious and makes me feel amazing. But then afterwards, I feel kind of yucky and kind of bloated and you just feel that you feel the sugar rush and then the sugar crash. So it's also thinking about what makes us feel good in the long term. And I mean, that's just the physical response. Then you have the mental response of feeling bad that you ate a bigger piece of cake than you were aiming for or the second or third piece. (laughs) (laughs) Stop judging. But but it's also about removing that guilt too around the food, I think. Of course. You want to remove that guilt so that if you do have that piece of chocolate cake, don't feel guilty about it, but realize that that's the choice that you made for that day. And that's just what happened. You know, that's part of making us feel good is it's okay to have the indulgence from time to time. Just think about what you're doing. Right. Know know how your body's going to respond. Right. So number two would be what kind of habits can you sustain? Because there are some people that love meal prep and I tend to be one of those. I love getting, going to the grocery store on the weekend, going to my farmer's market, coming home, washing all my produce, getting it all put into the the fridge nice and clean so it's very easy to just grab and go. I make up some some quinoa or some beans or some other things so that it's easy to assemble meals on the go during the week. I love meal prep. Other people can't stand it. So that's not a habit for that person to really cultivate because if they're not going to do it, then what's the point of even trying? <laughs> then it just sets themselves up for endless disappointment. Right. Oh, I didn't meal prep this week. I'm a bad person. Right. It's not working for them. That doesn't work in their lives. So you, so they need to figure out ways to make healthy eating work in their lives because they don't have three hours on a Sunday to set aside for meal prep. Which slides right into your third point here of what makes sense in your life. Right. And that's a huge – I mean, it's huge because – People that have kids can eat a lot differently than people that don't have kids. Oh, totally. You know, the people that don't have kids that like to eat out all the time or whatnot, it's a lot different than if you have kids that are in sports, especially when they start getting older and they're on sports schedules and you have to be at practice on a weekday at six o'clock. It just makes yeah. life so much more Yeah, what's more the dinner difficult? plan on that night? Right. Like, I'm, I'm waiting for them to start getting even older and have the one kid with practice from three to five and the next kid with practice from 5.30 to seven. And it's like, oh, what's the dinner plan? Right. But I've talked to people before that feel very guilty about all that. They they said, I know I should be cooking more, but I can't. When, when am I going to do it? And my answer is, I don't know. Either 
you find time for it somewhere or you stop beating yourself up about not doing it. Right. It's it's what makes sense in your life. Right. Because <laughs> if, if, if it doesn't make sense in your life, then don't feel guilty about it. Just accept that that's the phase of your life that you're in right now and do the best that you can. Make the healthiest choices that you can where you are right now. And if you're not happy, then you need to try to look at things and try to figure out okay, what can I do instead? That still makes sense. That's still a sustainable habit that I can keep in this life. Yeah. Don't, don't go insane over trying to make sure that every single meal is the most perfect, healthy meal ever constructed in the history of mankind. Like sometimes you've got five minutes to put something together and you need to get, you still need to eat. You still need to feed the family. Right. So the last thing that we want to think about when it comes to good nutrition is what is sustainable for the planet? And this is something that is also been a topic of a lot of conversation and research over the last few years. And the food supply is changing. And I, I overall, I think for the better, at least in, in some circumstances, there are definitely some circumstances where it's not good. And the way that meat is produced and can, you know, big farming and all that stuff, it's really bad for the planet. I mean, there, there's big farming will then argue back that if you want to be able to feed the ever-growing population of the earth, you need to come up with better ways to create more food in a smaller space with less water because there's not enough water supply. And they, they argue back that they are trying to feed the planet. Mm-hmm. And the counter to that then is, yes, but what you're doing is overall harming the planet. Right. So it's it's a tough balance to play. Absolutely. And food waste is such a big problem in this especially scary. and especially in this country yes. in this country food waste i saw a statistic that said 30 to 50 percent of all the food produced in this country ends up as food waste which is so sad when you have places where there's there's food scarcity where you're like well big farming is trying to create the most efficient way possible to, to feed people but it still goes bad it still goes bad and it's it's not even being eaten like they're making so much but it's it's a surplus because it can't get to where it needs to go like big farming in in the middle of the US can't necessarily feed the world right and i think that we're becoming a lot more aware of our food supply and all of these problems which looks to me like a lot of the local farmers and the people that are trying to produce organic produce, organic dairy, organic meat that that are trying to really do their part to improve the sustainability of of farming and the the food industry, that more of that is reemerging right now because there are people out there as consumers that are willing to pay for it. And that's, I mean, it's all a supply and demand. As long Mm -hmm. as there are consumers willing to put the money out, there's going to be farmers and, and whatever who are willing to produce. Right. Like that, you know, I'll make whatever people will will pay me the money to do. You're not going to have farmers, you know, trying to to produce organic milk and then selling it at a loss. That's it's still a business. Right. And I think that a lot of farmers really do care about the animals. They really want to do what's better for the animals and what's better for the earth, but they also need are they're still running a business. It's, it's still a business. So they still need to think about being able to survive in that business. And so that's one of the reasons that 
people always say that we vote with our dollars because if we can go out and and make these choices and and buy more sustainable goods in the grocery stores or in the farmers markets then that enables those farmers to produce the um, food products that way. Right. So we're looking at all sorts of different sort of like better for the planet types of food. So you're looking at at your organics, your um, grass fed, your grass fed beef, things that aren't raised in like animals that aren't raised in this factory setting simply to get as much meat out as possible. It's, It's an animal welfare issue. Right. So there's lots of issues about soil replenishment, the water supply, animal welfare, and all of those issues go into what's sustainable for the environment and for the planet as a whole. And and that's something that I think we need to, to think about when we're looking at good nutrition in our own family lives. Yeah. I mean, that definitely goes into the shop local because the, the local farmer is probably doing a pretty good job of, of sustainability. So ultimately, what it all kind of comes down to in this episode is just being more mindful of the way that we're eating because the way that we eat says something about who we are and what do you want your food to say about you? I think that's a very important question to ask yourself. Yeah, it says something about who you are. It says something about where you came from because when you're trying to make the decision about what's for dinner that night or what the snack is, I mean – there's all sorts of, of your relationship with food for the last 20, 30 years. It's like, mm, I, I should eat this vegetable stick because I learned in health class that a carrot stick is good for me. But then there's also the indulgent side of you that's like, well, I'd also like to eat that that bowl of ice cream. And it's it's a lot more than simply making the health choice of the carrot stick is probably better for me. There's way more than just that decision. Right. So eating for pleasure and, and indulgence is, in my opinion, a good thing also. I I don't think you should sit down and eat a whole carton of ice cream, but... Unless it's a contest. (laughs) Yes, there there is that. But uh, unless... We're not robots, you know? I mean, we're we're still meant to enjoy the food, and food is is there to make our lives awesome. Like, you know, being able to share a meal with friends and family, I, I love that, and I still think that that's very important. You can still make healthy choices when you do that, but it's also remembering that sometimes if you indulge a little bit, it's okay. Don't kill yourself for it. Yeah, eating for pleasure does not necessarily mean eating for indulgence, too. Like, eating for pleasure is so much more than just the food that you're taking in. And and I've learned this a lot with, with you is eating for pleasure involves the people that you're with and mm-hmm. the, the whole the whole meal experience is part of the food. That That's your eating for pleasure. That's a good way to eat. The eating for an indulgence on occasion is good. Eating for health is good. There's the fueling aspect, a very scientific way of looking at it. It's good on occasion to look at it from a scientific perspective, to know what you're putting into your body, making sure that it's fueling you you know, correctly and giving you the appropriate nutrients. But don't totally ignore the pleasure side of it also. Right. And it's also important to think about the the ethics about the way that we eat. And are we eating for boredom or just because we're not 
doing anything right now or because it's it's a habit and we are supposed to eat a snack at three o'clock because that's what we've done. So that's why we're doing it right now. <laughs> because that's what you've done since you were in like third grade and came home from school and had a snack. Like, right. Okay. Well, you're 45 now. You don't need to have that snack at three o'clock in the afternoon just because you've done it for the last 40 years. Right. And I've started actually asking the girls when they're like, mommy, I'm hungry. I said, are you actually hungry or are you just bored? And they'll say, sometimes they'll actually recognize that they're just bored and they just want to eat. And sometimes I'll say, have you drank any water today? Because a lot of times hunger can mask as, or dehydration can mask as hunger. So I'll say, okay, go drink a cup of water. And if you're still hungry in five to 10 minutes, then we'll, we'll give you a snack. Yeah. I mean, I know at, at school, sometimes I just need a break from being in my classroom and I'll head down to the, to the teacher's lounge and there might be, there might be treats sitting out there, Right. but I, I've tried to bring my, my bottle of water with me so that I'll go down there just to get out of my classroom. Cause that's all I'm going for. I don't want there to be treats down there. Well, sometimes I do, but, <laughs> but I bring the water so that at least I can go down and get it, get some water or, you know, a small cup of coffee, something that I can, I can go there for because all I really want to do is just take a break from being in my room. Right. Exactly. So really, I think the takeaway message here is just don't blindly make the choices in your life. Think about the food that you eat and why you're eating it. Think about the health the health benefits or the health consequences of it. Think about why you're eating that certain way or what is this doing for your body or for your life. And also think about your health habits and is this a sustainable way for you to eat long term? Because really that's what it is. There are so many people that jump from diet to diet to diet and they lose a little bit of weight and then they go back to where they were. Then they jump to the next diet and they lose some weight and they go back to where they were. But that's really not good nutrition. That's not healthy eating. That's just diet jumping. So what way can you eat that's going to sustain you long-term, that's going to make your body healthy and also your mind healthy, something that you can feel good about the way you're eating and it, it, that will both nourish your body and your mind? And that's that's a brilliant synopsis. It It, it comes back to all decisions that you make, whether it's it's eating decisions or any other decision, think about why you're doing things. Don't just go with your first gut impulse, but think about why you made that decision and what you're getting from it. Absolutely. Well, that about wraps it up for today. So if you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or whatever podcast player you're listening on and leave us a review. We would absolutely love it and it would help us to reach more people. So please leave us a review. And if you have a question for us, feel free to email us. All that information will be in the show notes, which you can find on our website at realliferunners.com. Thank you guys for spending this time with us today and we will talk to you next week.